and welcome to Champions of the Pacific. I'm Tyler Anderson. Kia ora, I'm Vinnie Wiley. Today we talk to one of the greatest Samoan kickboxers who turned his love and passion for the sport into a lifestyle. And the Cook Islands Olympians who got caught up in New Zealand's COVID-19 lockdown tell us what it's like to finally be home. a milk boy in New Zealand to becoming the president of his own MMA business in Las Vegas. Ray Seffel is a six-time Muay Thai world champion, an eight-time K1 World Grand Prix Finals tournament participant who turned his love and passion for the sport into a lifestyle. The proud Samoan talks to us about the explosion of mixed martial arts, what he thinks about the Pacifica talent coming through the ranks, and is there a chance we could see him fighting in the ring again? My dad was a boxer, my cousins, uh, just a lot of my family members were. And so at the age of five, my dad handed me my first boxing gloves. Um, and I would spar, you know, at the age of five, I remember sparring some of my cousins and brothers. And uh, that's kind of how it started. But I remember at the age of seven, I think it was, around seven, my my dad had rented a um, Bruce Lee movie and a Jackie Chan movie. And one was Sophista Fury, which was a Bruce Lee movie, and the Jackie Chan movie was uh, Drunken Master. And that got me, like, I was so fascinated by what was happening. You know, they were able to use their uh, bodies, their legs, their, you know, elbows, their head, like everything to just look so coordinated. And being a 70-year-old, it just blew my mind. And then by the age of 12, you know, I, I, I was a milk boy delivering milk at the age uh, at 12, I believe, back home in New Zealand. And that's how I was able to pay for, you know, my lessons and whatnot. I think at the age of 18, um, we were at a weigh-in where one of my teammates uh, couldn't fight due to a doctor diagnosing him with, I believe he had a bad case of asthma. And so he wasn't able to, to fight and the doctor didn't clear him. And um, this guy who, you know, was a, a, a big heavyweight um, challenged me to a fight. And that's how that came about. And so in some sense, I got to thank him for, for getting me into to really kind of realize what my calling was. And my calling, I, mean, I truly believe that martial arts is where I was meant to be. Is there one fight that stands out for you or that you can remember? <laughs> um, I mean... Most fights in K1, I remember every single battle I had because that's what they were. Um, but the one fight that it doesn't matter where I travel the world, whether it's I'm in Russia or I'm in France or I'm in Italy, it doesn't matter where I go. Everybody talks about the Mark Hunt fight, uh, who's another, you know, uh, Samoan brother. Maybe because it's the way that these two crazy Samoans battled it out. Like it was just a matter of, okay, let's do it. Um, Whatever happens, happens. But yeah, that's the one. That's the one fight that everybody talks about. You've been in the scene for a long time, and I wanted to talk about kind of that transition from fighting to being on the other side of the ring, being a promoter, being the founder of PFL. What was that like for you? Was that a hard transition? No, it wasn't. Uh, funny enough, I, I had always been a, a leader in what I did, in what I, in what I do in life, um, and so. I felt like, you know, going into that and starting that. Now, don't get me wrong. I learned, I've had to learn so much about the executive side and how to behave, how to speak. Because, you know, 
<laughs> when 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 your typical Samoan that um that speaks as mine, uh, you I didn't really think about other things and how to approach people and how to speak to people because you know I'm a straight out fighter and when that mentality is when something goes wrong you know you'll fight for it uh so i had to learn all these, these small things here and there uh that being said um i thank my team um that's been an amazing team that's also uh had a lot of uh input into how to evolve as a as a uh, a leader or as a business person um to be able to uh, continue to move forward now i have been asked the question you know do i miss it um, uh, no, I don't. I, I, the reason why I don't miss it is because number one, I'm still in the gym six days a week. I still spar three days a week. I coach as well, but I also, uh, myself and my partners run a business, run a company that's mixed martial arts. And so, uh, I'm still in it. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start my own, uh, fight league was because I didn't want to be one of these guys that missed it so much that ended up coming back and fighting again where uh, once I was done, I was done. So now that being said, listen, there's there's so many things that's happening daily. You know, I've been asked the question, would you fight Jake Paul? And I'm like, hell yeah. I mean, that is, you know, I'm in the gym every day. Uh, so uh, I think when you're when, once a fighter, always a fighter. For me, I'm 50 and I'm in the gym sparring, for example. So everything is good. Uh, all, all, you know, life is good and um, there's no complaints whatsoever. And what do you think about the explosion of UFC? Because it's become, you know, even here in New Zealand, I think quite popular. Because we're seeing Kiwis on the rise over here as well. I mean, that was definitely coming. The the explosion of MMA, uh, UFC, PFL, and all, and you know, they're they're doing well. Um, and it's so good to see the sport continuing to grow. We've seen a lot of success as well, especially with uh, Pacific fighters. I know Gina Fabian was on one of your uh, cards. So what do you make of the Pacific talent coming through the ranks? There's, you know, there's quite a few uh, coming through. And I mean, listen, fight, fighting is in our blood. You know what I mean? Um, so learning the different skills that makes a complete mixed martial artist uh, takes a while. And um, I think they're doing pretty well. I think Jenna is, um, she's coming along really well. Uh, she's had some sitbacks in her last fight, but, you know, that's part of the game. You know, that's the only way you're going to learn. And, and, um, and of course, you've got to continue to learn and evolve as a mixed martial artist. Otherwise, uh, you're not going anywhere in the game. Is there a specific um, person in the fighting scene that you kind of have your eye on or you think has a really bright future ahead of them? I mean, we got a couple of Hawaiian uh, fighters. For example, Ray Cooper, who fights for me. He's uh, he won the the world title and a million dollars in 2019 season, and so he's defending his title this year. Brad Tavares, who fights for the UFC, who's one of my uh, guys, not only a good friend but also uh, one of the guys that I coach. Uh, I mean, then you you know you look at um, Tai Tanuwasa, who uh, fights out of Australia, another Samoan kid. Yeah, there's a couple, there's a few out there. What would advice would you give to young boys or girls who want to take up any mixed martial arts up as a sport? Would you encourage it? Oh, 100%. Um, listen, you know, there's a lot of people in the business that don't really see the value of what the fighters are. Um, and maybe that's why it's different for me because being a fighter, uh, I under fully understand who they are, how what they go through, 
who, you know, the value of who they are. And so, yeah, 100%, I would encourage that. Follow your dreams, follow your goals, set, set goals, follow your dreams. If, it, if it's to be a mixed martial artist or a boxer or a kickboxer, man, uh, follow that, you know, because, um, I mean, I'm a perfect example of what following your dream is, you know, I'm a product of that, you know, I was head down and just did the work. And so any young uh, fighter, it doesn't matter what ethnicity, what, where you're from, follow your goals and dreams. After more than 100 days apart, members of the Cook Islands Olympic team are finally back home with their friends and family. Three athletes and five team officials departed Rarotonga in July to compete in the Tokyo Olympics. But on their way home, they got stuck in New Zealand as the country went into lockdown following an outbreak of the Delta variant. Two repatriation flights from Christchurch in Auckland finally went ahead in October, with another stint in quarantine required upon their arrival in the Cook Islands. We spoke to middle distance runner Alex Beddoes and president of the Cook Islands Olympic Committee, Hugh Graham, just hours before they were finally allowed to go home and see their loved ones again. It took us like, what, a couple of days to get there and it feels like this is like two or three months to get back. <laughs> but it feels super good to just be back and to finally get out of quarantine and see friends, family. Yeah, I know like a lot of us have been like really, really looking forward to this moment. So it'll be um, yeah special and we'll just enjoy it. I prepped myself for the 14 days in Christchurch, knowing that it was going to be 14 days. I obviously didn't expect uh, the lockdown in New Zealand. And I suppose for me personally, uh, that was the hardest for me, not knowing uh, you know, when we would be able to, to fly back home. Uh, and I have to admit that you know, there were some days that you know, I was pretty down. Uh, you know, I've been on my own in a, in a hotel uh, room. Uh, just fortunate that the, uh, the hotel staff were, were, um, were very accommodating. Uh, always checking on me to make sure things were okay. Uh, but once we knew uh, that there was confirmation of when we were flying back home to Rarotonga, uh, obviously, you know, the excitement started again. And obviously, you know, back here, you know, being back home in quarantine, well, it's, it's been an easy, uh, you know, four, well, 13 days for me. So, yeah, so just, just so excited to be, to be eventually going home. Alex, for you as an athlete, um, when you were in Auckland, you were staying with family. Uh, Hugh was at a hotel so um, for you, Alex, how valuable, how important was it during this difficult time to have that family support? And whilst you couldn't really go far, um, I, yeah. know, at least you had someone on hand that, that was going through the same thing. Yeah, I think it was huge. It made it like that much more, I guess, not so much of a bad situation. Like I hadn't seen my grandmother in ages and we're quite close. So it was, it was awesome to be able to spend a lot of, I'd say, yeah, like a lot of time with her. Yeah, I'm very grateful for that. And then it was kind of just a matter of just waiting to see when we could go back home. But I'd say having that family support there, definitely huge. Made it made it a lot better. I was very lucky. Um, Hugh, as president of the Olympic Committee, I, I wonder, like, you're experiencing this. You're going through it yourself as well. You're you're the one that's on your own in the hotel compared to everyone else with their families and, and relatives. Um, you know, having to deal with the government, having to deal with uh, various officials, airlines. Uh, did, did you feel any added pressure or weight of responsibility in that regard? Um, you know, the blessing, as Alex mentioned, you know, it was good that the, all our athletes um, that were stranded um, did have family based, you know, based uh, you know, up in Auckland. Um, and also, you know, those um, that went down, uh, down to Waikato, who came back on the first uh, repatriation flight. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, always a concern. Um, the good thing was for us was that there was help within, within the New Zealand uh, community. 
uh, for example, the various, uh, you know, communities, uh, the trusts, uh, you know, that were there to assist those that needed, uh, you know, food parcels or assistance. So we were quite fortunate. You know, it's always a worry, uh, you know, Vinny, in terms of the welfare of our athletes. And obviously, um, this was an issue that we raised, have raised since then uh, with the IOC. And in particular, as you know, with the next games, uh, uh, Commonwealth Games coming up in Birmingham next year, uh, I've already raised uh, uh, this issue, among others, in terms of, you know, the what-ifs. Uh, obviously, we don't want our athletes or ourselves to go through what we have gone through before. So we're just we're just hoping that you know that by the time the next game uh, comes, there are there are assurances for athletes in particular to make sure that they are focused on what they need to do uh, to perform. You know, for our for our country. Yeah, you've got the Pacific Mini Games in the CNMI. You've got the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. These various World Championship events as well. So I suppose it would be understandable. Um, some athletes might be hesitant. They might be thinking, geez, I, I don't know if this is worth the risk to, to do it all again and certainly so soon. No, you're absolutely right. And I think one of the one of the things we have to accept is that, you know, uh, things will never be back to what they were prior to, you know, to COVID hitting us. Um, it's about dealing with it. Our, our main concern is, um, is that we can get our, our athletes uh, overseas. The problem is getting back home. Um, you know, we're hoping that the world in general would, would come up with a solution so that we don't have to, uh, you know, be prolonged in any country, i.e. New Zealand, staying for so long in order to meet the quarantine requirements to get back home. You guys are now back in the Cook Islands, which of course is one of the most fortunate countries in the world that doesn't have any COVID, that has a very high vaccination rate. The country has been very supportive, compliant in terms of getting those numbers up because, you know, eventually the world will reopen and, um, I guess when you are a country that's COVID-free and you've uh, worked hard to maintain that safety for your people, uh, it's, a, it's a tricky balancing act, isn't it? Well, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, whilst whilst we understand the concerns in terms of the challenges that COVID has, has thrown at us, you know, we're also mindful that, you know, as a, as a small island nation, you know, we, we rely heavily on, on tourism. And, um, you know, the first experiences we had when we, when we had to lock down uh, last year and reopened, the bubble between... You know, as we refer to not tourists, but our cousins in New Zealand and us was great. It brought in, uh, you, know, our, our, you know, New Zealanders uh, here to holiday and it helped boost our, our, our economy. That's a challenge for our government uh, and also our health to ensure that we can, we can maintain the safety of our people here in the Cook Islands, but also uh, open our borders so such that we can, you know, that we can uh, generate revenue for, for, for our country. And, and as we speak, of course, you've got that one test to go before uh, freedom. Tell me, tell me what it was like, uh, gentlemen. Um, obviously, you got on the plane in Auckland when you looked out the window and you saw home. How did it feel? I think the first thing was just relief. <laughs> it was relief. I was like, "Wow, we're finally, we're finally here!" Like it's like finally. <laughs> it's been like such a long time coming, you know. Um, yeah, it was just relief and just, just happy to be home. It's happy. Yeah, no, the same. Yeah, yeah, a bit, a bit humbling. Always a bit humbling whenever I return home, uh, especially if I can see the island, and then to finally get home. Uh, in this situation here, yeah, it's like a big relief. I mean, sure, you know, there were considerations of quarantine here at the Edgewater, but as I said before, you know, this has been, uh, you know, nothing compared to what we've experienced in the past with, uh, you know, being locked down in Auckland there. So just a humble feeling and, you know, just, just to give thanks, you know, that we are finally home. And some of the Tongan Olympic delegation will also finally be home uh, very shortly. Uh, four officials and one athlete from the Tokyo Games were also stuck in New Zealand and caught a repatriation flighter. They'll have to spend 21 days in uh, isolation, MIQ, in Nukualofa uh, 
before they can be out as normal again in Tonga. And if you want to hear more from Champions of the Pacific, you can find us online at rnz.co.nz and click on the Pacific tab. You can also download us from Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. Until next time, kakite. kite!